Hey, 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 what's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, I'm your host, the Microphone Messiah, Philip Antwine. And uh, on the line is the Canadian Destroyer, Brandon Tanguma. How's it going, dude? Philip, it's going great. We're doing a podcast we've never done before. We're just getting on strictly to talk AEW Dynamite because they had a special show this weekend. Not special in terms of what really happened, but because they got booted for the NBA playoffs. First of many to come. I don't know, dude. I thoroughly enjoyed this episode of Dynamite. Uh, this is we're recording on a Monday. It's going to be released uh, after uh, we record, and this is going to be the fifth consecutive day of content we've put out. You know, Friday was the debut of Into the Stratosphere. Saturday, or no, we go Thursday Bulletcast. Friday Into the Stratosphere. Saturday the Takeover Recap. Last night SummerSlam Recap, and now today, we're uh, we're really just doing the damn thing, bud. Mm-hmm. You know, got to do it for the people. Got to give the people what they want absolutely so strictly dynamite recap this took place uh what was it two days ago i think that's what happened on the 22nd of august saturday saturday night dynamite uh do we know if they started at 605 i know they didn't start on time because i had the dvr set for it i was watching nxt wasn't paying attention to dynamite and unfortunately i completely forgot that the basketball game was beforehand so i didn't do a whatever, you know, extension of my recording. So the back half of Dynamite, I didn't technically see on my television. I had to go and find out some other means to watch it. Absolutely. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you have a Roku, get, you know, get your TNT drama app and you can watch it on your phone or watch it on your Roku device, ladies and gentlemen. Roku, it's it's the way of the future, absolutely. All right, so we are going to talk about AEW Dynamite. Here we go. We start off the show with FTR. Forever the Revolution, Fear the Revolt, whatever they are. Uh, they take on Private Party. You know, they're half full of cranberry vodka. Isaiah Cassidy and Marcus Quinn. Uh, it was loud. It was loud, and I liked that. I liked that a lot. Nice high energy to start off the show. Uh, FTR really using uh, the rules that they've had put in place during their matches, such as the tag rope being in place and legal tags and all that other stuff. Uh, Tully Blanchard, he, he accompanied them to the ring, and, you know, whatever Blanchard's been telling them is get, get, helping them get the job done. They defeat Private Party in a very, very uh, competitive match. I, I really like this. Brandon, what say you? I thought this was a solid tag team opener. I was very intrigued to see what they did because they had the crossover of the basketball game to see if they tried to throw out their big stars, whether the whether that be the Elite, the Cody TNT title match, but I think we kind of understand why they didn't do that at the beginning of the show because of what happened at the end of the show, obviously. The private party, I've kind of sat here and said I'm not the biggest fan of them. I, I'm not a big fan of their style. You know, I, I like the spotty type of matches, but I just feel maybe they go a little bit too over the top. But I think with FTR in this match, they were able to ground them, and they really were able to, uh, you know, not not make them do all the high fly spots all the time. So when they did do those spots, when they made their comeback, it made a lot more, it, it hit a lot harder and made a lot more impact on the match. I believe. Absolutely. You know, it, it's those clash of styles where the, the guys that are the quote unquote spot monkeys, 
and then the straight shooters like the FTR when they clash, it all works well. And that's why I think when eventually we do get um, the Young Bucks versus FTR, it's going to work very well, and there'll be actual fans in attendance for that whenever that does happen. So it's probably one of the reasons why AEW wanted to make that move and get fans in attendance for the upcoming episode of Dynamite on Thursday. Um, all right, we move on from that. We get to Mox. He has a backstage promo. Uh, he talks about how MJF, you know, I like you, kid. You know, you could be the future of this cha- of this uh, company. You could hold it down for the next 25 years. Only got 18 months left. But, you know, he, told, he tells him that, uh, you know, become a man. Stop living in your mom's basement. Stop being a virgin. Get the job done or whatever. But you're not going to get the job uh, done against me on September 5th at All Out for the AEW World title. What did you think of Mox's promo? I think consistently Moxley has been cutting really good promos dating back to, you know, when he first came in the company. But I really enjoyed this. I think it was a good promo because he was able to build up MJF and he, you know, he put him over. But he said, your time is it now. Your time is up. My, his time is now. No, that's you can't that's see me because the shine is now. It's the franchise. Oh, oh we're not we're not we're, we're not doing that. We're not. Yeah, it's not, wrong. Wrong it's company. Wrong, wrong company. Wrong company. Yeah, but I mean, I, I liked what he said. I, I didn't like the mom's basement and virgin line. I mean, I just feel like that's kind of played out. And I think it kind of demeaned MJF a little bit because he was building him up so much. And then he kind of just, I, I don't know if I'd say took all of his credibility away by saying that. But it was, it was kind of like an eye rolling thing from him to, for him to say that. But it's very straightforward, simple. You know, you're good, but you're not good enough to beat me right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then we move on to Maxwell Jacob Friedman uh, in his promo, or not promo, but his campaign headquarters. He cuts a promo. He has a neck brace on. He has a walker with a very lavish uh, Burberry uh, dr- uh, with cloth draped over it. You know, he talks about how the paradigm shift is its deadly, and, you know, he, he says, who's next? Uh, could it be Wardlow or whatever? Then he has his attorney with him, Mark Sterling, and Mark Sterling has drawn up a contract for John Moxley to sign, banning the paradigm shift for their match at All Out. Um, John Moxley's a, a, a horrendous human being. How dare he do this to Maxwell? Yeah, it's just more over-the-top shenanigans from MJF here. I mean, I thought it was good. I think the lawyer actually, I don't know if he say he helped the promo out, but I did think the lawyer was a nice little touch. It's just simple, straightforward booking right now with MJF being that over-the-top heel, selling the hell to kind of a comedy effect, I would say. But I still don't think it you know, downplays the paradigm shift. And I think, obviously, we're leading towards something or another where the paradigm shift will be banned. And Mox will be like, okay, you know, I, that's not the, I'm not just a one-trick pony. I can beat you however which way I see fit. Maybe that's another reason why I, he added a little bit more grappling, a little more submission-based stuff with the, uh, that Brian Cage match last month. So maybe that's the, uh, the finish we get. Possibly. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, Mark Sterling, I'm going to have to try to try to get him to be the attorney for the bullet cast. I, I think he could uh, be a very good asset to us, Brandon. Absolutely. Um, all right, we move on to the night, the natural nightmares uh, and Jurassic Express. They go on to defeat the Lucha Bros and the Butcher and the Blade. No bunny. Uh, it was a it was like an eight-man tag match. There was a whole bunch of stuff that happened. Uh, the Butcher and the Blade and the Lucha Bros didn't see eye to eye and therefore it cost them the match. And then we get Eddie Kingston uh, coming out and said, come on, you know, Pentagon, you're one of the most s- sadistic luchadors ever. 
Ray Phoenix, you're one of the greatest luchadors ever, but you're, you're, you're one of the most badass men in this company. Blade, I know how talented you are. We've traveled up and down the road together. You guys want to be successful? Follow me. Come on. Group hug, group hug. Let's do this. So I've been very vocal on In The Click about Eddie Kingston getting a faction, starting the uh, LAX faction, but, you know, it, it's kind of happening. You know, you have two luchadors in there. But I, I wanted him to be the leader of a faction or, or of some sorts because I think the guy's extremely talented on the microphone and he can help all those guys. And I guess that's what we're going to get. Brandon? Yeah, the Eddie Kingston stuff, I just felt like it came out of nowhere. Like, I don't know if he's been doing some other stuff on Dark or anything that I really haven't noticed. But, we, I mean, obviously, you got uh, Pentagon and Phoenix. They were supposed to be with uh, Pac, but... He's not there because of travel restrictions or anything like that. So maybe there's completely scrapping that group altogether. But I mean, the, the match itself, I mean, 13 minutes, you got eight guys in there. It's going to be kind of spotty, fast paced all over the place. And it's kind of hard to really get your bearings and really tell a, a decent, coherent story. So and with the heels not being able to get on the same page, it made sense and to protect uh, what's the Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, because obviously they're the, the bigger stars out of the babyface tandem that we had but the butcher blade uh you know lucha bros pairing it's just is kind of awkward there was no real story behind it on why you know eddie kingston comes out and gets them all together like okay yeah he cut that promo saying we traveled up and down the roads and you know i know all of you guys so all of you guys have to come together around me and we can be best buddies and let's hug and then eddie kingston like winked at the camera which I don't know if that was supposed to be okay. I'm trying to get one over on these guys, or I'm being too cute. I I don't know what that was about. Uh, he, he may be trying to get one over on those guys. You know, it maybe uh Pentagon and uh and and Phoenix are just gonna align with him, and they're gonna take out the Butcher and the Blade. You know, I I I, I don't know what's gonna happen there. I uh, will have to wait and see. All right, after all of that, we get a. A, uh, a segment with uh, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and Superbad, Kip Sabian, along with Penelope Ford. And uh, Britt Baker has said, you know, she has a match against Big Swole, but doesn't know what it is. So she says that, hey, why don't you join me and it can be a handicap match. And Rebel would do her makeup for like a year for free. And Rebel's like, for free? You know, and so then uh, Penelope Ford agrees and Kip Sabian's like, oh, can we make out now, love? Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it was all right. I guess it was just kind of thrown out there, and they're they're telling a good story. They're building up to the eventual one-on-one Big Swole Britt Baker match, and I mean, the the women's division isn't very good at the moment for AEW, and at least they're telling a decent long-form story here with Swole and Baker. Absolutely. All right, uh, a lot happened on this dynamite. I'm looking at it, looking at the rundown here. Um, so we're supposed to get the in-ring uh, interview for Orange Cassidy. He's supposed to be interviewed by Tony Schiavone, and you know he's accompanied by the best friends, and they're all in the ring. And then Jericho's music plays, and he's like, "You know what? Congratulations, Cassidy. I'm actually proud of you. I've only been pinned three times since October 2nd when we started Dynamite, and you're one of the guys to do it." But he's like, "I'm. I beat you. You beat me. We need a rubber match." And Jericho goes on to say, since I'm one of the greatest minds in the history of this business, I created the best gimmick match of all time involving a briefcase and a ladder. Wink, wink, wink. Uh, he's like, how about we do something different? You know, a Mimosa Mayhem match. 
It's going to have some orange juice. It's going to have a little bit of the bubbly. And the only way to win pinfall submission or tossing your opponent in that bubbly orange concoction. Brandon, are you excited for Mimosa Mayhem? I don't know if I would say I'm excited for it, but this definitely is another different gimmick match courtesy of Chris Jericho. I think it is a good blending, one might say, of both these guys' gimmicks. And Chris Jericho at the moment, you know, he's not going to go out there and have five-star classics by any means. He's just out there, have fun, tell a good story. That's what he's doing right now with Orange Cassidy. And, I mean, obviously... You can win however means necessary, but we all know how the match is really going to end. Someone's getting dunked in that mimosa. Or, I mean, yeah, or a pinfall could happen and somebody gets dunked or whatever. Or Jericho could win and then he gets dunked in it anyway. That's a possibility. So, you know, uh, Cassidy agrees. He throws up the thumbs up. That's not the only thumbs up we'll see in this episode of Dynamite. And, uh, yeah, so uh, Jericho's like, I need my friends out here. Let's celebrate. Let's toast them. And then he's like, get them, boys. And then they attack the best friends, and Orange Cassidy just gets hit with a Judas effect and gets a whole bunch of bubbly poured on him. What a waste of the bubbly, guys. I mean, we've seen this a bunch of times already in this feud where Jericho beats up Cassidy, but there's only two weeks until the show actually, you know, until the match starts. So they don't have to go back and do this all the time. So maybe we're going to get something, you know, promo or. You know, not a beatdown segment because it feels like they do that all the time with Jericho and Cassidy. And with Cassidy, not really his gimmick is he doesn't do anything. It's kind of hard for him to do anything on his end. So Jericho kind of has to do the bulk of the heavy lifting on his end. Absolutely. Um, the bubbly brand has been out for almost a year now. Brandon, have you have you had some of the bubbly yet? No. Really? Brandon, we have to get you some of the bubbly. I mean, if they want to send me a case, I'm not opposed to drinking it. I just don't go out of my way to go find some. Okay, okay. I'll, 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 I'll talk to Jericho. We'll, we'll try to get you a case of the bubbly. Um, moving on from that, we have the Elite. I'm not going to do the song. Uh, consisting of one half of the AEW World Tag Team Champions, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks. They defeat 3, 4, and 5. I don't know their real names. Yeah. Uh, was it Dragon? Isn't one of them the half rapper? No, no, he's number 10. Okay, just he, making sure. He was the one in the white pants at the end of Dynamite with knee pads over them for some reason. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Dragon suplexes galore. The Young Bucks do their spots. Kenny Omega wins with a one-wing angel. And then he tries to demolish one of the guys, putting a chair, like, upside down where the legs are sticking up. He's going to, want like, powerbomb him on that, and Matt kicks the chair. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And Kenny's just like, no, 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 no. They tried to take us out. No. And all this other stuff. What's wrong with your boy, Kenny Omega, dude? I don't know. It seems as though he's having a change of heart, a change of character, one might say. The match goes about 14 minutes, and with the Elite going up against the jobbers of the Dark Order, I just felt like that's way too long. I think that we see this way too much in AEW where, I, I don't know if it's just like a Young Bucks thing where you know they want to have a good match with everyone, so everyone gets their spots in and everyone has like a plus 10-minute match, when it doesn't need to be that. You could have had a six, seven minute match where, yeah, maybe the dark order gets a little bit up on the elite, but the elite is going to get all their spots in. And it, and I think it also makes the uh, beat down or attempted beat down that Kenny Omega did even more because you're kind of, I don't know if you're going to say feel sorry for the dark order, but it's like you guys demolished them or ran through them quite quickly. And then you're just going to pour it on even more. Come on, Kenny. That's not nice. That is not nice. 
Um, dude, what, I mean, really, like, Kenny, he really left his wrestling heart in Japan, so what's, what, what's, what's up with him, dude? I mean, he's a tag champ, sure, but as far as the singles run, what's up? Well, it seems as though he's trying to clean things up in AEW. Possibly, but could you say that the run people feared he would have in WWE, he's having in AEW? I do feel that the Kenny Omega push or character, or whatever you want to call it on this, you know, from Dynamite up till now, well, even back to Double or Nothing until now, it's been a little bit of a disappointment. But at least with in AEW, he's still protected. He's not doing 50-50 jobs, and he's not, you know, off of television for a long time. And he just randomly comes back, and then they put a title on him, and then he's, you know, just another cog in the machine. He's still Kenny Omega. He's still treated as a big deal. Yes, the way he's portrayed in the matches and the spotlight that he's been put in, it's not as big or as grand as I think it should be, because I think Kenny could and should be like the top guy in the company because he's probably the best wrestler they have but i think as we're seeing right now they're telling a cohesive story and i think we could have been in a completely different situation if this whole covid situation didn't happen because i think they would have pulled the trigger on a heel turn a lot earlier and we could have had we could be building up to kenny omega versus hangman adam page right now for all out or whatever you know a summer type event was going to be because i think maybe they're going to do like some British event in the summertime, but that didn't go through. So I think because of the pandemic, definitely some storylines had to be put on pause. So I think we're just kind of seeing something that we were going to see maybe two, three, four months ago. That is a possibility. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a commercial break. We're going to hear from Brandon and Curveballs and Chair Shots. And once we come back, we're going to talk FTR on the Hangman Page segment. We're going to talk Darby Allen facing off against Darby. We're going to talk about the TNT Championship main event all that and more, you don't want to miss it. What's up, everyone? It's Brandon. If you love sports and wrestling like I do, then check out my other podcast, Curveballs and Chair Shots. Every Friday, me and my illustrious co-host, Dominic Hobson, talk the biggest news from the MLB, NFL, NBA, and so much more. We also cover some things we don't talk about here on the Bulletcast, including a weekly NXT recap. You can listen to Curveballs and Chair Shots wherever you get your podcast. Just simply search Curveballs and Chair Shots. Now let's get back to the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and we are back. So, before we uh, went to commercial break, I told you we were talking about FTR and Hangman Adam Page. Backstage, Alex Marvez is with FTR and Tully Blanchard talking about the uh, tag team gauntlet that's going to be taking place next week. Um, so, it's ba- it's simple. One t- one, one t- uh, two teams square off, and then whoever gets eliminated, the next team comes out and comes out. And the last team to enter this gauntlet match is FTR, and the winner of that face... Uh, Hangman and Omega at All Out for the uh, AEW World Tag Team Championships. Hangman comes into the first, like, where you guys been? I'm dry, I'm dry. He downs whiskey or whatever, then cracks open a Bud Light. And, uh, yeah, man, what did you think of this? The the promos and everything, I thought it was was good. Did someone say gauntlet, Philip? Is there a gauntlet on the horizon? There is a gauntlet on the horizon. Well, there was a gauntlet on Saturday where me and my team went up against another team in the gauntlet in Warzone. If you'd like to see some highlights of it, you can go over curveballs and share shots on the Instagram. Oh, I've got a great you, uh, video montage over there. Did you win? Uh, yeah, damn right. We won. I'm, I'm glad you won something. 124 to 86. It was not even close. Look at you, dude. Bring some of that energy to these predictions, dude. Hello? 
Why you gotta hate on me like that? <laughs> I'm just playing, bud. But seriously, thoughts on the don't hate on the Sasha Banks of this podcast. I, I will not. I will not. Uh, thoughts on the promo, man. The promo, I thought it was good. They're continuing with the story of Hangman and FTR, continuing with their their friendship. I would assume we get FTR taking on uh, Kenny and Hangman. We haven't really seen Kenny and Hangman, you know, be together that much recently. Like they haven't done too much character development. And yeah, Kenny is kind of being a heel, but he's kind of being a heel like on his own terms, you know, doing the stuff with the Young Bucks or whatever. So I think I don't know if they're going to go straight into the match with FTR and that's how we how they lose it. And they just go, you know, full bore with it. And Kenny just attacks Hangman and they go into a single shoot that way. But I think FTR kind of is the uh, the standout, the front runner to win the gauntlet like your boys were. Absolutely. You know, they could learn something from you, bud. If you want, you can go to Curveballs and Share Shots on YouTube. And you can watch the whole, well, not the whole stream, because I might have lagged out and got scared that my internet cut out. But you can go to Trapdoor to Hell on Twitch. You can watch the whole thing there. Wow, look at you, dude. You know, the Instagram has come along and the YouTubes. You guys are all over the place now. We are. We're all over the place. I am a great social media ambassador. Absolutely. You know, you want to you want to get the Bulletcast Twitter up up and going there, bud? Maybe. Well, I don't do the, I don't do Curbs and Chair Shots Twitter. I'm not, you know, I'm not the biggest Twitter guy. Okay, you can do the bullcast Twitter. All right, uh, anyway, we're going to move on. Darby Allen defeats my boy Will Hobbs. Ladies and gentlemen, it's about moments, okay? Moments are more important than minutes, goddammit. Anyway, he defeats Will Hobbs with a coffin drop, and then Taz is like, you know, we got a little surprise for him. And Darby shows up. It's Ricky Starks dressed as Darby Allen. He says, like, I like turtles and all this other weird, weird stuff. Anyway, uh, the FTW world champion Brian Cage attacks... Darby Allen with the FTW title. Then uh, Ricky Starks comes down there, t- cuts a promo in his face, and then yeah, that happened. Yeah, it did happen. I mean, this is very similar to the Orange Cassidy Chris Jericho segment. So I think one thing that happened on this show, and then we're even going to talk about another beatdown segment or beatdown angle on the show. I think there's just too many angles. I don't know if it was rushed or if they just kind of wanted to fit so much because they knew they had a a crossover audience and they wanted to kind of get him up to speed and do some things to keep him intrigued. But I mean the Darby Allen, Will Hobbs, it was four minutes. It wasn't really anything special. I do feel like Will, I know we're biased because we've seen him a lot. I feel like he could be more, but he is like such a big dude. And when he's going up against such a small dude, like Darby, it kind of gives Darby a little, a lot more credibility because Will has a similar build to Brian cage that it can show. Look, Darby can beat with this guy really quickly and decisively then he can do that to Brian Cage as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I just don't know. just don't know. Uh, we're going to move on from that. So Matt Hardy attacks Sammy Guevara. Uh, beats him down, throws him through a table. He's going to throw a chair at his head, but the referees are like, no, 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 no. You can't be doing that. Even though he did, the, you can't do that. Yeah, a hell of a table spot. Yeah, I mean, Sammy could fly. He flew right off that stage and through the table. As I said, you know, it's very similar when you have back-to-back beatdown angles. Yes, one was a heel on a baby face, and this one was a baby face on a heel. And then you also have another one earlier on in the show. And then you're going to get another one later on at the end of the show. I felt like there was just too much stuff going on in the show. 
yeah, a lot happened. A lot happened. Uh, a lot of uh, progression in storyline, though. I'm, I'm okay with that. There's a lot that happened, but like I remember the the ending a lot more than kind of these other things. Like I even kind of forgot about the Sammy Guevara, Matt Hardy stuff and the the beatdown with Darby Allen. I remember it fondly, but I did not watch it 30 minutes before we started this recording. Uh, of course not. Of course, you're a responsible podcaster and you watch everything on time and don't rush it. I, I, I didn't watch it on time. I'm not going to lie. You know, Takeover had my intention Saturday night. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, but you know what else had my attention? The promo from the NWA Women's World Heavyweight Champion, Thunder Rosa. Babe, you know, Bay Area, it's, that's, that's some Bay Area love, man. Bay Area love. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, I've been very vocal on In the Click about, you know, grab p- women from the NWA. Like, let's bump up this women's division. They've finally done that. So it looks like at All Out, we are going to get um, Thunder Rosa versus Hikaru Shida for the AEW Women's Championship. Can we uh, can we make it special? Can we go title for title? Is Corkin going to let that happen? Is Tony Khan going to let that happen? I don't know. I don't know. Brandon, do you know? I do not know, but I will pretend like I know. So full transparency, this is when my DVR cut out, so I had to go on the tube of you to watch this stuff. But I watched the promo, and I like Thunder Rosa. You know, I've seen her in uh, APW a few times, and I think she's talented. I don't haven't seen, you know, really any work of hers in nwa but i think bringing her in i like the concept i like the idea of her and uh sheeta having a match but it just kind of just come came out of nowhere i i mean we have ricky starks who came from the nwa we get thunder rosa from the nwa i don't know if this means that there's really like a full-fledged relationship there where we're gonna get some trading of talent back and forth or if it's just you know nwa trying to get some tv publicity from aew but I mean, hopefully they do a little bit more next week and the week after to kind of build up this women's match because I I desperately want the women's division to be a lot better than it actually is. And when you have a talent like Thunder Rosa and Sheeta, I think you definitely can do something with that division with if you have talent like that. No, yes, absolutely. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. We we just have to wait and see. All right. Uh, the finals of the women's tag team cup. I forgot this was even going on. I really did. I'm actually shocked because Diamante and Ivelisse defeated the Nightmare Sisters consisting of Brandy Rhodes and uh, Allie. They were accompanied by QT Marshall and uh, Dustin Rhodes, the uh, Natural Nightmares. Yeah? Yeah, so as I put over Thunder Rosa and how kind of, not excited, but how I'm looking forward to her match with Sheeta, just because I feel like it can be a different level of what we've seen from AEW's women's division. This is what the opposite of what I was kind of talking about, what we've seen from the AEW women's division from the first place. I mean, they, they kind of built it up at the beginning that this tag team tournament was going to be something special. And then they just throw it on YouTube, really don't advertise anything on their normal dynamite show. And then they throw this finals out there on the regular TV show, which like, I feel like they could have done a lot better in terms of like star power or work rate because the nightmare sisters, Brandy and Allie, especially Brandy. I mean, it just wasn't pretty. It was not good. Like every time they were trying to do stuff. I mean, the match went 10 minutes. It, it was, this was 10 minutes. What's saying here on my report. Oh, Jesus. Oh God. Oh, oh Jesus. Luckily I watched the YouTube clip. So I only saw about like four or five minutes of this. Oh, lucky you. I saw the whole damn thing. Uh, I mean, I, they they tried to spice it up. You know, they had Veta Scott, who's an in, indie uh, 
indie veteran on commentary. They had Shaw Guerrero, daughter of Eddie, and uh, Vicky Guerrero uh, be the announcer. And they had your girl Medusa uh, award them with the uh, Tag Team Cup, but, you know, they they didn't even care about the cup. They just held up their flags. That really puts over the prestige of the cup. Now, yeah. Big Swole, someone who they've been putting over a lot, putting a lot of TV time in, more, mostly Britt Baker side than the Big Swole side. Why wouldn't you give her the opportunity with being a little swole, Nicole Savoy, have them be the champions. Like, yeah, I know Diamante and Eva Lise, they were the, you know, they 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 were on TV. They we've seen them before, but I feel like if you had Big Swole win this, it just if because especially if this like tag team cup thing isn't going to be a normal thing all the time, like why don't you just put it on one of your top women, just a, another accolade for her. I know Nicole Savoy, who knows what she's going to be doing with AEW, but I feel like you can put a lot of the emphasis on Big Swole and have it be about her winning the thing yeah or if i wish kind of i kind of wish Britt baker was healthy so her and uh, rebel reba could have taken this thing home i think that would have been nice yeah what would, would have made it at least feel important because you know Britt baker we, we'd never hear the end of it exactly i mean I, I i wasn't like super looking forward to this tag team cup i just had a little higher expectations that they could have done more with this Yes, absolutely. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the main event of AEW Dynamite on Saturday night, it was for the TNT Championship, the championship of America's Greatest Network. The Prince of Pro Wrestling, Cody, don't call him Rhodes, defends against the exalted one, Mr. Brody Lee. No offense at all by the American Nightmare. Brody Lee, with the discus lariat, is your new TNT Champion. Uh, I saw the spoiler that he won. I was like, okay, maybe the match was pretty, pretty, pretty hard hitting. No, this was completely different from any Cody Rhodes match I've seen uh, with AEW or even on the Indies, Ring of Honor, whatever. Man, you know, no offense at all. He got demolished. They, they made they made Brody Lee look like a badass. They did. They really did. You know, he's trying to be interviewed by uh, was it to- uh, Tony Schiavone? Uh, and Brody Lee's like, people like you have held me down, and then, you know, they started attacking Arn, and, like, people have, like you have held me down. They pulled Cody off of the stretcher. He gets hit with a, with a, with a, with a bag in the head, and, you know, they pull out uh, Dustin and QT. They were attacked backstage, and Anna Jay, she, um, she puts a sleeper in on Brandy, and she's uh, put to sleep, and then the, what, the contents of the bag are poured out on Cody. It is the original TNT championship, the, that uh, silver-plated title. And he, and Brody's like, I told you that one's yours. You can have that one. This one is mine. This is the most badass the Dark Order has ever looked, in my opinion. Yeah, I very much enjoyed, you know, the entire, whatever, stuff that happened on this entire angle, in, including the match. I mean, very one-sided, as you said, Cody didn't really get any offense, and they were building towards this a little bit. They kept asking and saying, "Okay, Cody is wrestling almost every single week, defending this title, having these long four matches. How long can he last?" And I, I mean, maybe you could have built it up a little bit more and like have that question linger because they didn't really do anything to build up the match during the show. Like, yeah, they might have had some advertisements for it, but I wish we could have seen like a promo from Cody and like him maybe being a little weary about Brody because he's such a, a monster and he's a little beaten down and you can kind of hint at it, but then Cody's going to put on a brave face. And then in the end he just gets demolished. And then the ending segment, I thought I thoroughly enjoyed it. But as I said earlier, if you're going to do a beatdown angle like that and so severe, then don't have three other beatdown angles 
on the show as well, because it just kind of takes a little bit away from because we've seen it so much like, yes, this one was the biggest, the baddest. But just did you really have to have Matt Hardy beat down Sammy Guevara? Did you really have to beat down Orange Cassidy again? Just do the match announcement and, you know, walk away from it. Uh, I mean, that's that's not how Jericho rolls. He has to get his point across, you know. Uh, I mean, the, the Sammy Guevara thing, he, he like, he threw, he threw him off of, off of the platform. I mean, I, I didn't really see the beatdown because, you know, uh, at commercials and all that other stuff. All I really saw was, you know, him get hit a couple times and thrown through a table. But this beatdown, this was the, uh, the, the main event beatdown of the night. And, uh, Brody Lee, he looks like a badass. Ladies and gentlemen, join DarkOrder.com. It's a movement. It's a revolution. It's a way of life, bro. Please, join DarkOrder.com. Brandon, are you going to join? I might join just so I get the free chilies. Absolutely. 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 You know, after I finish hanging up some posters for uh, Maxwell's campaign, I'm going to have to hop on DarkOrder.com and do this. Uh, I guess that's it. That is our recap of AEW. Oh, I can hit you with it. I like that. I like that. Um, Dynamite's going to happen Thursday night. We record the Bulletcast Thursday afternoon, so uh, maybe Friday, Saturday, we'll do our other recap of it. Uh, that's the next time you're going to hear from Brandon and myself is Thursday. Uh, any any final words for the people, Brandon? Don't be stupid. Don't be stupid. Wear your mask. You, uh, yeah, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. Stay clean, stay strong, stay safe, stay quarantined. Diamonds are forever. And so is the microphone messiah. I have to announce to you that I will never retire. This has been the Bullet Cast. Thank you for listening.